0: the courage to lead episode 242
1: you're listening to the ib4e coaching podcast
0: brought to you by ib4e coaching business coaching for executives entrepreneurs and small business professionals learn more at ib4e-coaching.com hey coach harlan here welcome back to the podcast hope you guys are having an exceptional week I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Mark Letford. Mark Letford is a native of Mount Sterling, Kentucky, and a 1984 business graduate of Moorhead State University, where he had a successful college football career as a receiver during his four years. Mark began working for Mount Sterling National Bank, now Whitaker Bank, in 1984 and retired in 2021 after a 37-year career with the company. During his first eight years of banking, Mark was also an assistant football coach for Montgomery County High School. In 2017, Mark began writing a book that would help people navigate life with a simplified game plan. The book is titled Simplified Success, Five Keys to an Amazing Life. It was published in 2020 and addresses key areas in which a person can focus to gain momentum early in their pursuit of success. Mark decided to retire from banking to pursue his passion of helping people achieve greater success by promoting his book and speaking to students and groups throughout the state. Mark, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Harlan. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, it's good to have you, sir. You married your college sweetheart. That's I did. Awesome.
1: I did. You know, I met her. Uh, well, we had met through mutual friends, uh, but uh, we didn't start dating until three weeks before I graduated college. And sure of, yeah, it was just the Lord's timing. And uh, yeah, I fell in love first. I don't know if she did on the first date, but I did for sure. But uh, yeah, we're uh, been married 38 years now, and uh, just a wonderful lady. Uh, been a been a fun fun 38.
0: Absolutely, very cool. That's good. I was I was thinking, you know, you don't really hear too often anymore that somebody married their high school or college sweetheart. You don't hear of people that are born and raised and live in the same place for all these years and that stay in the same job for 37 years that's just not not heard of these days
1: you know i i think you're right you you'll see less and less of that as time goes on i believe with the just the the mobility the just the change in you know in our world really but um uh, and then the change in people i mean it's just uh the world has changed people and you know whether for the good or the bad or or indifferent you know it's it's just part of it i mean and you're right. You won't see that much more. Uh, you won't see that much, uh, you know, in the future. But, uh, but that's just kind of been, you know, I've kind of at times, you know, been in one place, married one woman and, you know, married to one woman and been at one job, you know. So that just kind of sums me up, really.
0: That's awesome. Very cool. All right. I want to talk about how you got your start, who you work with and how you help them. We definitely want to talk about your book. Um, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions that I ask all of my guests. Now, listeners, though, these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Mark, if you're ready, I have 10 questions for you.
1: All right. Go ahead, Harlan.
0: All right. Question number one, what is your favorite word?
1: Favorite word would probably be, probably where I am right now would be, passion um so yeah passion is just i i I love seeing people pursue their passion i love pursuing this passion that this new passion that that i have now with the book and just seeing people fulfill their their dreams and uh and and trying to help them do a little better you know trying to get them on the right path so
0: nice very cool okay what is your least favorite word
1: do you want an explanation for all these, or do you just want the word? Yeah,
0: whatever, whatever works, yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, gosh, my least favorite word. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh I'd have to say probably can't, maybe. Uh, and, I, and I say that sometimes, and my wife will get on mm-hmm. me, but i get frustrated. I, I can't do this, especially when it comes to technology. You know, that's at my age. Sometimes that's not uh, my forte. <laughs> for sure. But anyway, that's probably the, the, the least favorite that I don't want to say. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right. What turns you on?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. Uh, I would say probably helping people find their purpose in life is probably, and that is where I am right now And speaking to these uh, students in high schools and colleges and seeing the light bulb go on. When I say something, they they grasp what I'm, what yeah. I'm telling them or just seeing the light bulb go on and what's my purpose in life or where's my season.
0: Nice. Very cool. All right. What turns you off?
1: Oh, probably, oh uh, gosh, let's see. Um, abuse, cruelty, any of those kind of things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With yeah. you. All right. What sound or noise do you love?
1: Oh, I love sitting on the back porch uh, in the springtime, just listening to the birds sing. I think that's just uh, the spring is my favorite time of year. Just everything coming up, the, the air, the wind, it, it just a great time. The birds singing is a wonderful nice. time. All
0: right. What sound or noise do you hate? Uh,
1: let's see. Uh, probably anything that's drowning out the birds. <laughs>
0: All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word?
1: Oh, oh gosh. I try not to say those, but every now and then one will slip out. It's probably the S word.
0: (laughs) All right. Mark, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Gosh, you know, I had a chance to to be a football coach back uh, as an assistant. Um, The game has bypassed me now, but football coach would be uh, right at the top and then teaching in a classroom. I really enjoyed that uh, through my career, just coming in and being a guest speaker at different classrooms. So I think that would probably be the two, teaching and coaching.
0: All right. What profession would you not like to do?
1: Oh, gosh, Uh, not like to do. Oh, wow. Um, Well, at my age, probably... (laughs) hard labor. I did that. I did that through college, and uh, I thought, you know what? I better get this degree. It's putting up guardrail for a living. I don't know. It was good money, but I I wouldn't have been able to do it very long. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Well, I believe that heaven exists, and uh, I want the Lord to say to me, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I
0: want to hear. Absolutely. Very cool. All right, Mark, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we want to talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are now. Um, We'll talk about your book, um, some of the presentations you've done related to your book, and at some point, transition into courage and leadership. Sounds good. All right, listeners, we're going to be talking about all that and more right after this. So stick with us. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, make sure you share it with your family, friends, colleagues. Uh, Like it, leave a review, and definitely subscribe. When you subscribe, that helps boost the podcast to where it's uh, seen and heard in a lot of different areas. So make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button and subscribe. And uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the episode. And I'm back with my guest, Mark Lefford. Mark, thanks again for taking time out to speak with us. Good to have you on the program today. Tell me a little bit about Mount Sterling. What kept you in Mount Sterling all this time?
1: Wow, good question. Uh, You know, Mount Sterling, I I was uh, born in Lexington. Actually, we moved over here when I was a year old. Uh, Mom and dad actually graduated from Mount Sterling High School. So, um, Mount Sterling is just a small community, uh, very, very well respected in the state of Kentucky as small communities go. Um, I had so much fun growing up. My dad was a sports guy. Uh, he started the junior pro football league. And, um, so I had so much fun growing up here with my friends and I wanted my daughter. It turned out to be one daughter that we have, uh, to experience the same joy that I had as a kid. And, and thankfully she was able to do that as well. And then went on, she didn't want the small town. She went on to Louisville and is living down there. But, uh, that's really what kept me I had so much fun growing up, I wanted my kid or kids to experience the same childhood I did yeah
0: very cool and thirty seven years in banking that is awesome. Did you know i mean growing up, did you know you wanted to go work at the bank or was that something that just kind of happened how did How did you get into banking?
1: yeah, you know harlan i was I, I was really interested in saving money, and I was always all the time looking for odd jobs to do around the house or whatever and I'd make a couple bucks five bucks or whatever and I'd put it in my savings account I really enjoyed that I really enjoyed working with you know decimals and fractions and and things like that um so I think that was just one of those skills that just you know kind of you're born with and uh as as I grew up um you know, I didn't have any idea. When I even graduated from college, I still had no idea what I was going to do. And uh, just a conversation I had with a girl I went to high school with, her mother was working at the bank. And so I was interviewing over in Lexington and uh, she said, hey, you ought to go down and talk to my mother down at the bank. And I thought, well, I haven't gotten anything else. Nobody else has hired me. So I'll go down there. And sure enough, they did hire me. And, you know, the the love I love people. And I love Mount Sterling and, and just the ability to work with money and to learn how money can work for you and work against you really intrigued me. So I jumped in there and really, you know, banking is a money business, but it's really the people.
0: Sure. And,
1: it's, and it's a small, it was a small community bank uh, that's still in operation, obviously, here. But uh, yeah, so it was just one of those things that fit my personality perfectly. Wanted to be here in town. Uh, small town community banker, uh, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies is what I say, you know, and yep, yep. everything in between.
0: Absolutely, as opposed to kissing hands and shaking babies, there that's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you started off what as a teller and worked your way up to president of the bank, right?
1: Yes, uh, started out as uh, I guess they call it a management trainee in 1984, and uh, started out at the uh, salary of twelve thousand dollars and. I thought, oh, so I said, the president said, now don't tell anybody how much, you know, how much we're paying you. And I said, do y'all have people that work, make less, that work here? He said, yeah, we do. <laughs> he said, keep your mouth shut, son. So anyway, um, but yeah, that was uh, uh, 37 years. Was It was, it was fun. I uh, enjoyed it. And, uh, but anyway, that was uh, yeah, how, how it all got started. But uh, the one thing you did bring up, being a teller, starting out as a teller, working the way up through as a loan officer, and then um, as branch manager of a bank, came back down uh, to the main bank and uh, ran the loan department. So those, the progression was really important to my career because of um, the, the respect that you gain with the other employees. At some point, you know, you could be their boss and that sort of thing. And that's kind of what happened. And Um, so I took over the bank when I was 37, uh, kind of abruptly, really, and my boss left just uh, very quickly and a great boss, And but he said, I'm going to recommend you taking the job, and and I was 37 years old. I didn't think I was ready, uh, but he he had instilled in so so many good things in us uh, about how to make money and how to take care of people and those kind of things. And we were really learning. I say we, me and my team, uh, we were learning more than we realized. And it was just a, a, a really good training experience for us on the job training. And they prepared me for uh, the remainder of my career.
0: Sure. And by that time, I guess you knew most of the people in town, right? And you're seeing them as they grow too. You're helping them get loans to build their homes, to put their kids in school and that's got to be rewarding.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that that was that I always talked about how I knew, you know, a certain part of the town when I went to college and before I started banking. But when I came back back to the bank uh, and started working at the bank, I started I started realizing I lived in town. I, you know, I wasn't a farmer, but I started learning the farming community. And I started, you know, uh, knowing where all the roads were, because back then we did our own appraisals You know, we wow. did the appraisal. We loaned the money. We typed it up, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You look at it now. Uh, they, 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 put you out behind bars. Now you did that kind of stuff, <laughs> but that's what, that's the way it was back then. And, and I got to know the roads, I got to know the people and, and it really was. And then, like you said, year after year, after year, as you gain that, um, uh, those rapports with those people, mm-hmm. And, and they trust you and you build on that and then word of mouth. And, and it was uh it was a wonderful place for me to be. It sure was.
0: Nice. That's yeah. excellent. Very cool. So tell me about your book, Simplified Success, the five keys, right? To an amazing it, life. When did that start during your banking career? Did you start putting this together or?
1: It did. You know, it happened, uh, you know, I got, I was, I had been a banker almost 30 years when, when I got the, well, I say when I got the information, I just, I was uh, visiting my folks, my wife and I and our daughter were visiting my folks at, uh, down at Fort Lauderdale. And I was down by the pool. And literally, it's, it was just like divine intervention. I got, I had for 10 minutes, I got this overload of information. And I just started writing as fast as I could. And 10 minutes later, I looked down and said, wow, this, this looks like, Table of contents of a book. Well, I didn't. I didn't do anything with it. I we had to get back home, and uh, so anyway, threw it in a drawer. Threw the book and and my notes in a drawer, and found them three years later. And again, the timing of the Lord. But th- at that point, I started writing a book, and I just knew that I just felt impressed to do that. So so much, it was just I knew that I had to. Just I knew it was my call. And so I jumped in there and did it and it took three and a half years to actually get it in print. Cause I didn't have any idea what I was doing. I was just pulling up a word document and typing, but yes. So I was almost, so once I got in, Oh, let's see Harlan. So about 2000, we got it in print and I was about a year and a half away from retiring. I didn't know it at the time, but I just felt, you know, a strong urge that this was now my new passion and, Really wanted to get out there in the school systems, uh, talk to groups, and get this information that I just had learned through coaching, through my banking, um, through my uh, going into classrooms. I realized how much I enjoyed that, and 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 I could see that the attention that uh, that the kids were giving to this information, mm-hmm. and, and that really. The light bulb went on for me right there. I thought, sure. gosh, they really need this stuff. And I can remember as a teller, now, this is this kind of this. I call it simplified success, and it is simplified information. I, you know, it, it's information that everyone needs, but it, it, it's in a simplified format. And or, yeah, I guess that's the best way to explain it. When I was a teller, I'll just I tell this quick story just to drive a point home because it's simple information still needs to be taught. And when I was a teller, my wife and I were were married and we had just gotten married. We thought we needed to buy a house. So I went to the the bank across the street where I had some relatives working, actually, and said, hey, we're getting married. I want to I want to buy a house. And so he started throwing out these terms, FHA and Freddie Mac at 8.7 and 9.2 and all this stuff. I did not, I was a banker, teller, and I did not have any idea what he was talking about. Yeah. So I thought, okay, if I'm a t- teller at a bank and I'm a banker and I don't know what he's talking about, then there's a whole lot of people out there that have no idea what these terms are and that sort of thing. So there again, the light bulb went off for me there. And I re- I remembered that conversation. And I thought, gosh, you know what? This needs to be t- this needs to be out there. So. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I remember when I was in school that years ago when things were all TV was black and white. We had 13 channels, right? Right. <laughs> in yeah. school, they taught us um how to set up a bank account, how to calculate the interest that you were getting, compounded interest and how that worked and everything like that. We were taught how to write checks. We were taught how to st- Envelopes, write envelopes and put stamps on them. And they don't do any of that anymore. And I really think it's, I think it's a disservice that that we're not teaching kids finances, um, financial literacy, how to go out and and start your accounts, how to save for things you want, how to calculate how long it's going to take to get it. We don't teach that stuff anymore in schools.
1: You're you're right, and you know there's there's fifteen out of the thirty out of the fifty states have actually. Uh, instituted the financial literacy requirement in high schools now it's hard to believe that it's taken this long um but you know it it has and i I don't know i guess the schools thought the parents need to teach it parents thought the schools need to teach it or the parents were too busy to teach it or they didn't know themselves no sure right so there's a lot of factors there um so I you know, it is, but and I know a lot of people are getting on board. You know, there's the Dave Rams and you know, and there's a lot of different things that are that are going on to to help uh young people get that start. And, you know, you can go in for one day here, you can have a reality store here or whatever, but if you're not getting that on a daily basis and it's not being ingrained, uh just like we did had with algebra or well, I was terrible at algebra. Thank goodness banking wasn't. <laughs> right <laughs> at, at history and science and and well english you know just taking english courses you know mm-hmm. constant uh so um, i wish financial literacy had been taught that way and and the, yeah. and and piggybacking on that you know there's a lot of social etiquette skills you know a lot of respect a lot of things like that life preparation mm-hmm. that that you know y- you wish could be instilled in the school system. And a lot of, a lot of like FBLA clubs, you know, they are learning some wonderful things, mock trial teams, mm-hmm. uh, debate teams, sports right. teams, learning so much, you know, in the extracurricular, but there are certain things that the schools really don't have time maybe to teach or um, so we'll see. Don't yeah.
0: have, don't have the time or don't take the time. Cause I think they're teaching to a curriculum. And they want those answers to that curriculum regurgitated. They're not really teaching practical application of things. You know, I had a class in school where they would they would teach you a little bit, say, economics. But then we'd have a, a project that we would do to kind of instill how that worked and things. I don't know if they spend enough time teaching some of these, uh, these like the financial literacy, and, and giving practical application. This will prepare you for life rather than this will prepare you to take this test.
1: Right. Exactly. That, that's so well said. I've never even really heard anybody say it that way, but that's perfect. You, you just, you said it. You nailed it.
0: Thanks. I'm here all week. Thank you. <laughs> so I know you speak a lot at, at schools, high schools, colleges and stuff um, about chapters from your book, but uh, you do talk about that financial literacy. Are the kids receptive to that? Are they anxious to learn?
1: They, they are. Uh, the first time that I re- went into a classroom, that in, into a college, it was about 30, it was 1992. My brother was actually, uh, he, he's the one that actually got me over to Georgetown College to speak. And he did it because he didn't want to write a term paper. So he said, I'm going to take the easy way. I'll get my brother to come over and speak to my class. And, uh, and he said, hey, you can talk about banking. So I thought, gosh, I, it lit a fire within me to, to do that. So I, I talked about 15 year mortgages versus 30 year mortgages and the benefit of number one, buying within your means and buying something, you know, a little less expensive. Don't don't go out and get your dream home right then. So that, so coupled couple buying within your means coupled with financing on 15 versus 30 years, you know, just Absolutely, but I absolutely love that. And I saw what I saw in those students when they came up to me. Several of them said, "This is the best." Under their breath, they said, "This is the best class we've had all year." And so again, the light bulb went off for me. Wow, I enjoy this. They are learning something. They enjoyed it, and I, it just gave me a fire to to kind of keep going. And and I would look for opportunities occasionally to to go into classrooms, you know, they were few and far between, but, uh, but now, you know, I get to do that for, for a living now. So that's my, that's my full-time part-time job, I guess.
0: That's great. Yeah. I think nowadays with social media and everything, we're looking for like immediate gratification. So we want to buy something right now, rather than waiting and saving and paying cash for things, you know, building used to be, you would buy a small starter house, hold onto it for a few years. Move up into a little bit bigger house, hold on to that for a few years and move into your final dream home. People are going to that final dream home and just, I don't know, putting themselves in jeopardy. Yeah,
1: you're exactly right. You know, and based they're, it, they're buying so much home um, and, it, and they're, they're maxing out both incomes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the thing. You know, we uh, try to live on one income. There's, a, there's a, obviously, mm-hmm. it's just not done much anymore. And, and banks make it so easy for young people to go out. Credit was tighter when you and I were get, trying to get our first home. It's not as tight now as it used to be. And uh, so it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, there's kind of the, you got two things working. You got the microwave society, I want it now. And then you got the ease on the banker side of, yeah, I'll put you in, Whatever you know whatever you want, if you stretch sure. the rubber band without it breaking you know we'll put you right in there so um that that's that, that's scary, maybe that really yeah. is, and part of the reason we had that problem back in two thousand eight two thousand nine mm-hmm. and the and the big crisis, so um you know you get into the greed thing and uh, you trouble but uh, but yes, that's a good 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 point
0: and so your book is is it directed at um, younger kids who are just starting off?
1: It, it is. It's, uh, you know, anybody, I, I had a, when Christian and I were down in Florida for the winter, we, I was, uh, I was in a writing, I'm in a writing club down there with uh, several women and a couple of guys and one lady is 84 years old. And she said, Mark, she said, I've gotten so much out of that budgeting uh, chapter you, you were talking about. I said, "Marcella, that is that is so good. I'm so glad you told me that. And and to my point, that anybody can get something out of this book, whether you're 17 or you're 97 years old or still breathing, you can get something out of the book. So yes, it is geared toward high school, college age, young marrieds, because in chapter three I do talk about scholarships and um, that, that sort of thing. So there, you would kind of pick and choose, but it's it's, it's a simplified manual for life. So a person can take it at 17. They can find what they need at this point. They can take it at 22, say they're getting married, if they're looking for an apartment or a house or whatever. Um, so I've, I've urged my 22-year-old daughter to pick it up again and read it again. Uh, so that it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, you're 28 years old getting ready to buy a house. Uh, pick it up. I want you to read that. It's simple. It's very simple. Uh, It takes you, it explains everything, um, but, but not, but not so much that it overwhelms you. And it's, it's in a very simplified uh, manner. Yeah. I'm not smart enough to write something that's as a title complicated on the front of it.
0: So now, and are you creating any courses for this or, or is that down the line a little bit?
1: Well, it, it is a little. Um, I've been working. Uh, a couple of friends of mine have said, Mark, I would love to teach this in the class. What about a workbook? Well, about three years ago, I started on a workbook. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a tortoise when it comes to this stuff. But the workbook is really, I've been uh, working with my editor. Actually, right before we got on, I was sending her some corrections to, uh, to hopefully for the final proof, uh, literally today. And uh, so we are really close about and I've got several schools that are wanting to use that as far part of their financial literacy mandatory curriculum or they're trying to get Kentucky hasn't approved yet it's actually in the it's in the house, but um, it's coming down the line at some point so uh, but yes, uh, that's that's the next goal that's kind of my goal to get it into the hands Uh, right now schools are buying the book actually. Let me back up a little bit. Civic clubs are really uh, where the sales have come and grandmothers. (laughs) That's another one. Grandmothers have really, they've read it. They'll they'll buy one and then they'll order 14 more for their grandkids. And so, yes, it is for young adults. But, you know, that's the funny thing about it. The older folks have told me, they said, Mark, where was this 40 years ago? And I said, mm-hmm. well, I was same age as you, you know, we, we, we didn't know anything at 20 years old.
0: Yeah. So, trying to figure it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So, uh, but anyway, that's, that's been a, uh, uh, th- that's been the clientele and uh, just trying to uh, get the word, just trying to get the word out to as many as, as possible, but schools and nice. civic club have been a great avenue for getting the word in there.
0: Yeah. Nice. Very cool. So switching gears, on the program, we talk about courage, right? Where do people find the courage to create their own success? Where do they find the courage to overcome setbacks? Uh, divorce, bankruptcy, illnesses, failures. Um, a lot of people would look and say, writing a book, that takes courage. Because you're kind of putting yourself out there. You're putting your thoughts out there and things. Where did you find the courage? Where did that come from?
1: You know, I think the, probably just the, the fire that had been lit inside of me, I knew it was something I was called to do. I knew it, this was my passion to through coaching, through banking. I, I saw the needs of people and I thought, gosh. And then when this when this information came to me, I thought this is this is it. I, I've got, I have to do this. I, I didn't take didn't matter how long it took. I had to do it. So that would probably be the number one thing. Just the the fire in my gut, the passion to to take it and 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 see it through the finish line. With a lot of help, I had a lot of help there. Um, but that would that would probably be the number one thing to to get it to the finish line. Yes, yes.
0: Nice. Um, and in speaking to you know the the young adults that you're talking to, speaking in front of, them, things like that, is there a type of courage you think is most important for them to to have or to find?
1: You know, yes, I think so. And, you know, when you're in that group uh, in high school, the peer pressure is, is so great. It's so strong. So it could, be, it could be a positive thing or it could be a negative thing. And uh, too, too many times we see the negative side of it. Um, but there, there's a lot of positive peer pressure. But, yes, I think that's – to me, that would be number one, uh, just the, the peer pressure, the courage to stand up and say – you know, I'm not going to do that. Or, uh, and it's, it's, I can remember doing that myself back, you know, 45 years ago, having to stand up and say something that I thought, uh Oh, this is, this might not be popular, but you know, so, and it's not easy. It's not easy. I get, I get sweaty palms just thinking about it, you know? So I don't envy, I don't envy that, but it, you know, it, I think it just tells the person really who deep down who they really are, and, uh, yeah. if they can do that. But it, it, it takes a lot of courage to stand up your, to your peers.
0: Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. It's not always easy, but you're right. Yeah, it's something yeah. you got to do. Um, so you were a college athlete. You were uh, captain of your team, right? Your football team yeah. in college, yeah. and then a high school football coach. Is that kind of where you learned leadership? Did you learn lessons about leadership from your sports?
1: You know, I did. Yes. Uh, you know, football, I've, I've always said that, you know, uh,
0: to me, it's
1: one of the greatest sports ever because it, it's, it's in the trenches. Um, it is down that you are, it's, it's like a, it's like a war down there. You know, you're just uh, getting beat up constantly and uh, and you know, your buddy's getting beat up and, He's trying to, you know, it's just it's a war in the trenches, and um, the football is just an amazing bond for uh, for individuals. And I know, I played basketball in high school and golf and those sort of things, but to me, football was such a was such a bond. And I think when you have that brotherhood, um, it's people respect they they respect the process, mm-hmm. and and so. I believe that that was very key uh, for me. When, when, when our team voted on the captain, uh, I, I was hoping they would pick three or four of them and because I, I didn't want to be out there on an island. And sure enough, they voted. They, that, that was kind of the intention. But uh, Coach said, Mark, listen, you got a lot more votes than anybody else. You're our captain, and we'll just put somebody with you each week. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm out on an island, you know, but, but that's life. I mean, that's sometimes that's the way it is. Sure. And I had to look at it from the, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't want to be in the, you know, I didn't want to be in the limelight. You know, I didn't want to be up there in front of everybody. It just wasn't my personality, but I had to look at it from the standpoint of, you know, Mark, they've elected you to take that position and you got to you jump in there and you got to do it. So anyway, um, yeah. that was, that was, I guess, a real eye opener for me, you know, that you do have to step up even maybe when you want to, you just step up and you got to do it, you know? So.
0: But yeah, like sports, I think do instill leadership skills, right? Because you're not a solo player anymore. You're a team. Every person on team has um, their, uh, their role, right? Their, their process that they have to follow. And if everybody follows their processes the goal can be achieved when right. you get those rogue players that go out and kind of do their own thing. You never know what's going to happen, right? That's there's right. no consistency to it and stuff. So, yeah. And then being the leader, people are going to look to you. How are you reacting? How are you coming on to this? And if you see this challenge as a good thing, they're going to see it as a good thing and they're going to step in with you. If you seem afraid or tentative, they're going to be afraid, tentative. So hey. yeah, there's a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, that's, that's right. And so I, I think that really helped me, you know, when I, when I came into the banking business and, and was kind of thrust into leadership uh, when when my when our president left abruptly, um, you know, I had to have the I, I said, I said, are you gonna tell them that I'm the president of the bank now? And he said, No. He said, that's your job tomorrow morning. I said, wow. You gotta be kidding. I said so so anyway, I had to call a staff meeting and just, you know, tell everybody, hey, this is what's happening, I'm your new president. And I mean that you talking about hard, especially oh, when I had a good, you know, I've got people that are probably 20 years younger than me that are now I'm the boss. And, and that, that was hard. That was yeah. very difficult to deal with. And, uh, but you know, we got through it and I thought sometimes it would never end, but you get through it and you know it makes you a better person.
0: Nice. What do you look for in a leader?
1: Oh gosh. The, well, the, our, our former our former banker uh gosh he was he was very stern uh, he was very tough he, but he he well number one he knew his stuff. he knew what he was doing um, uh, you knew when you could um, you knew when he meant business, but so he knew kind of how to be friends at times you know so there was that fine line so that would be you've got to know where to where the cutoff is. Uh start out tough because you can ease up, but you can't start easy and then toughen up that's that's one thing that and my personality is kind of like you know I like for people to like me, you know that kind of thing, so I had to kind of get around some of that early on but uh but he he taught me enough to where I could at least survive. <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> I know nice. I made a lot of a lot of mistakes, but I know that uh what I learned from him was invaluable, and so I'm so thankful that I had him to Not only for the numbers, but also the uh, uh, kind of the fist pounding when you had to.
0: And so over the years, how many people did you have reporting to?
1: Oh, I guess, you know, our bank was small. We probably had uh, at the height of my career as far as number of people in in my little bank. We probably had maybe as many as 32, 30 to 35 people, something like that. Uh, And we had... We, we had a main bank, and then we had two branch locations in our, uh, in our county. So um, it, we, we were very small.
0: Good. So if I was to bump into any of these folks on the road and ask them what type of leader you are, what do you think they'd tell me? What kind of leader
1: are you? Wow, that's, that's good. Let's see. You know, I, I, number one, I think fair would come to mind. Um, I, I was fair. Um, I didn't I didn't play favorites. Uh, if there was somebody who was doing the job and they deserved the promotion, it didn't matter how much money they were making or who their parents were, you know, that person got the nod. And mm-hmm. and I didn't play the politics in, in the. Uh, so I would think that they would say, you know, he was a good guy. And he might have said some things that I wasn't fond of at the time. But you know what? Probably needed to be said, and I respected for it, so not all would say that maybe yeah. <laughs> but but I think most would probably say that that I was a fair leader, yes
0: good yeah, because yeah, you know they say the the role of a leader is to create more leaders, not more followers right
1: exactly there you go and you've got you've got to learn to delegate and but but you to give people the tools i I didn't have any problem delegating, and I don't you know kind of it sounds kind of funny, yeah, you do this, you do that, but a lot of leaders do have a trouble in delegating sure. because they 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 are perfectionists, they want it done one way, they can only do it that way, that kind of thing. that was not me at all. You know that area you're smarter than I am, you go do it, and yeah. what I learned a long time ago, hire people smarter than you are. Yep. and let them do their jobs exactly. and get out of
0: their way. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. You know, I'm not a know-it-all and I know it. And, uh, and there were, there were a lot of people there that bank smarter than I was, but it, it, but that, but that is what we needed. We needed somebody to say, you do your job. We didn't need a micromanager and I was not a micromanager. So thankful for that.
0: Good. Yeah. I think, uh, the mistake a lot of people make is they delegate, just by handing the task over to somebody, but they don't release the the full responsibility or authority to do it. He's like, you get the task done, but I'm still got my hands in the in the pie. Well, now you're tying up two people doing one job. You yeah. Know, the best thing you can do is, like you said, this is your role, your area. You know this better than I do. Here's the goal. You achieve that goal. And if I can help you by removing barriers, call me, right? Exactly.
1: That's, that's the perfect way to manage. And, and I know, you know, we're sitting here talking about it and, and a lot of times, you know, you need to be involved in certain things, but what I would like, I said, listen, if you need some help, you let me know, you know, and we'll, and we'll talk it out. We'll walk through it or or whatever you need, but I'm going to leave you alone. You get it done. So you're right. That's, that's, that's key.
0: Awesome. So what's next for you? I mean, you've got your book, you've got your speaking gigs you have out there, you've got a course you're putting together. What's next?
1: Probably, I'm, I'm trying to get the, the workbook complete. Uh, that's that's and then what I would like to do is really start going through my contacts and and saying and take them a, a copy of the workbook and say, Here you go, this is what I've got. Um, mm-hmm. I think this would be the workbook would be great in addiction recovery centers, uh, for people starting out or people sure. start. And, um, so I think that that's, that's one area that I would really like to get this in. Um, it is, uh, that's just, you know, I'm just waiting for doors. I've got a lot of contacts out there, so I'm just waiting for doors to open up. Um, I've got a lot of, a lot of hooks in the, in the water and, uh, you know, hoping something will take hold here and there. Of course, summertime's coming along and I'm working with a couple of schools right now. Uh, but uh with summer coming, you know, it's one of those things yeah. might get through that and then get into next semester. But um but yeah, it's it, I've loved it. There's something to do on it every day. Um and uh it's just it's it's a blessing to get up and, and not go to work um when you do something you love. So
0: absolutely. Very cool. Mark, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking Uh, time out. If people want to learn more about you and find out um, about your book, how to get copies of your book, how can they do that? What's your website?
1: uh, My website is uh, www.markledfordbooks.com. You can order right there, uh, or you can contact me by email uh, at markledfordbooks at gmail.com. Or I'm on LinkedIn, so uh, I do visit my LinkedIn page quite often, and of course Facebook. But uh, but it's under it's under uh, Simplified Success on Facebook or Mark Ledford, either one. So okay, Very yeah, cool.
0: excellent. Well, I will make sure all those links are in the show notes, so people know how to get in touch with you, and follow you, and connect with you. And hopefully they reach out and say, "Yeah, can you come and talk to our group?" Oh, I think it's amazing. Yeah,
1: it's it's so much fun to do that, and, and it's so much fun to see students who are actually tuned in uh it, it really is and uh it's just it's a blessing to be able to do this and and just give people information that they need to be successful
0: absolutely very cool all right well listeners hope you guys were taking notes a lot of good information here definitely check out the website markledfordbooks.com um and get a copy of the book simplified success five keys to an amazing life it's uh well worth the time even if it's summer vacation take it with you to the beach it's worth the read And uh, share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues, anybody you know in the school districts in your area. Share this information with them. And uh, yeah, leave me a review too, because those are helpful. And subscribe so you know when other podcast episodes are launched. And stick around, because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now.